Hi, everyone. Dean Chris back in the studio this week for this week's podcast. We're going to be talking about a book that I'm releasing called Essential Leadership Lessons from the Thin Blue Line. And you know, I've rewritten Leadership Lessons, and this is a book about the lessons that I've learned over the last five years since I wrote that book. And I hope you're going to be excited about those new lessons. It's organized in a different way where we talk about leading yourself, leading others, and leading your organization. And I think you're going to find this episode in our podcast really informational. And I think the book, you're really going to enjoy the book. So as we always say, sit back, turn up the volume, you're ready to change your life. Hi, I'm Dean Chris. Welcome to Straight Talk on Leadership. This is what we'd like to say is the no BS zone, where we give you leadership tips, ideas, and practical suggestions to help you become a top leadership performer. Our goal is simple, help you become the best version of yourself and reach your highest potential as a leader. So set back, turn up the volume, be ready to change your life. So, all right, let's talk about the section two, which leading is leading others. Yeah, I yeah, agree. leading others. I mean, one of the things leaders have to do is, and I wrote write about this in this chapter is create passion. Uh, and you say, well, how am I going to create passion in people that don't really uh, don't want to be passionate? Well, listen, everybody's passionate about something, and if you're not, if you haven't created passion in your leaders or the people you're working with then there's there's a couple of things that are problems. One, you may not have the relationship you think you have with them. Secondly, you haven't inspired them enough to step out of their boundaries or where they want to go. And the third thing is they don't clearly kind of know where they're trying to get to. You can't create passion unless you create a clear path to getting people to understand where you're trying to go. You know, and you and I talk about this a lot, like yes, every day about what we're trying to do in this business is to change people's lives for the better, to add value to them, to get them where they're better than they were yesterday. Now, I mean, that's, that's hard as hell to do because when you do that, you've got to, you got to drag some, some people sometime with you and and it's really hard to do. So, and I talk about the book, creating passion and, you know, stuff like that. And I talk about being courageous uh, that's in that chapter where I, I think the biggest part of that section is the importance that you place on mentoring and that, you know, the rent that you pay as a leader and growing future leaders. And I think it's worthy of you to bring that up. Those are those are kind of new. Uh, we did a lot deeper dive on those, I think, um, this time around than we're in the original uh, chapters. I think you've thought about that a lot more in terms of that importance. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I won't to get, uh, you know, in there, I say, uh, you got to do that. You got to know the janitor. You know, I talk about, you got to, you can't hold a grudge. You know, I talk about, uh, you got to mentor other people. I mean, those are, uh, those are things that, you know, as a leader, you have literally got to do. Uh, And as I think about it, you know, courage is, is, really easy to talk about and really hard to do. And, you know, being courageous is as a leader, if you're not courageous, you're going to sink very, very quickly. 
there is just nothing that's going to help you get past the fact that you lack courage. And I'll show you where I'll tell you where most people lack courage. And now I want you to remember there's a difference between being courageous and lack courage. You can be the most courageous person in the world where you could run out, you'd be willing to run out in front of a truck, you know, and save a kid. You, you can be courageous as heck, but the second you think you got to have a tough conversation with somebody over something, you freak out. Right. And so th there's a, there's a big difference in that leadership, you know? And so when I talk about that, I talk about, you know, being able to do all those things and, and be courageous. Now, the one thing that I want to make sure that everybody clearly understands about this book is that I have not written this great manual or work of art that is complete and conclusive of everything you need to know about that subject. What I have done is given you a mindset check to say, have I thought about those things? See, the, the interesting thing about books is this, and this is where a lot of people, even me, and, and when I say that, I don't mean this badly about people, but you want the book to give you magic answers and give you something that you don't have to work at anymore. You want it to be the complete list of everything you want to do. And this book is not that. This book, though, the, John Maxwell says this best when he says, you know, one of the most interesting thing about a book is the first time I read it, you know, I read the book. The second time I read it, it reads me. Well, that's the key to this book is the book you, reading you to where you have a tendency to start looking at, you know, how do I see myself in this? How do I improve myself? And, you know, in the chapter of knowing the janitor, I talk about that in West Point where the, you know, they give a class and uh, the final examination was that about the janitor. And, you know, that doesn't tell you everything you need to know about knowing the janitor. It just tells you that, man, everybody that sweeps the building and takes care of everything you think doesn't matter matters. So, you know, I want people to clearly understand that, but this is designed for, honestly, this book is designed that if you knew nothing about leadership and you were to pick up this book, you could literally make your life 10 times easier by just knowing these things all right off the cuff. Because these are 30 year lessons that I've learned that took me so long some, in some cases to get over the hump that you literally could take this and say, look, I want you to read this book and you take this and learn those lessons, but make them yours yes. and you'd be 10 times better. No, I completely agree. And one other thing that I think is really important in this thing, and it's been a, my own personal struggle, has been the old, whole issue of expressing empathy, because I think there's a balance that has to be struck. You know, we we want people to be empathetic. You want your leaders to be, to show empathy for those they lead. But sometimes we tend to be overly empathetic with people and that can that can also shortcut um, one's leadership abilities. Anything you want to add on on empathy and, and the importance of showing that? Well, how much time you got? I, I know. Mean, I know. I, mean, I hear you're, you. You're asking me like, you know, empathy. The Cliff is, Notes version, please. Oh <laughs> empathy is the it, it is the most one of the most important components of leadership without a doubt, but it's one of the most difficult to manage both on overly or underly. Now, why is that? Because of all leadership things, of all leadership things, 
there's two things that control your life more than you will ever, ever admit or more than you will ever, ever realize. There's two things that control your actions as a leader more than you can ever imagine. The first one is anger. When you're mad, it don't matter. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, is that anger creates an emotional hijacking. And that's in one of the chapters of the books talking about controlling your anger. Mm -hmm. And when you get an emotional hijacking, it's really hard to do anything because your, your brain sends a signal to everything you're doing that it's okay to do anything you want to do because you're mad. Okay. Right. I'm pissed. I'm mad. Okay. Now I, man, that's, that is, that was a problem for me uh, growing up. That's a problem for me when leadership taking things personal and get pissed off. And even in the book, I talk about this formula for not, how to not take things personal. You know, Kelly, I just realized there's a lot of stuff in this book. You know, it's like I'm sitting. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I, we've thinking, just scratched the surface. There's so but much. But I'm not trying to be, you know, I'm not trying to say that I've written. No, it's not book. being glib. It's not. I mean, it really is a. It's just a lot of stuff in here. But great. And the second book. thing that is the most difficult as for any leader is the control of empathy. Why? Because empathy goes to the core of your being. If you look at psychologically what empathy does. The reason most people cannot be empathetic, and, and you know, this is so self-fulfilling in my own look at myself, is because when people aren't empathetic, they're assuming wrong on the person, the part of the person who they're wanting to be empathetic for. Like, I'll give you an example. Uh, if you call me up and you said, look, um, and this is generationally, I, I'm going to say this to be funny, Okay. <laughs> so I, don't, I want everybody just to realize, you know, don't freak the hell out. But I, I'm saying this to be funny that I guarantee generationally millennials and especially Gen Z's. Oh, my God, we love animals more than ever before. When I was growing up, dogs used to run loose and get run over all the time on the damn road because yeah. nobody keep them up. You right. don't ever see dogs run over anymore. No one right. because people take them care of them. They're their family members are inside the house. They're. They're being tanker. People love animals. I'm a, I'm a big animal lover. You know that. I got and damn four Absolutely. dogs. I mean, me I know I, I love animals, and I I mean, you won't piss me off. Do something to an animal. Yes. I mean, I'm I'm like that. I love animals. But you know, today I'm and I'm being funny here when I say this. So when somebody calls up and says I can't come to work because my cat's sick, <laughs> you as a boss are like, can I just huh? choke the shit out of you? <laughs> I mean. Oh, no, I, for sure. I, I mean, I don't want to, I'm not trying to be mean and ugly, but as a boss, you just literally say, can you put your neck through the phone so I can just choke you? Well, and because folks, everybody me... at work today is counting on you. Everything at work depends on you showing up today. And I'm going to have to find 10 people to call to get one person to come in because you got a sick cat. Right. And, so, and let, me, let me, let me just tell the audience that are, that are on YouTube uh, my guarantee is, is that Chachi, his um, chocolate lab is probably laying on his feet right now. If you're watching him talk, that's yeah. how much he loves dogs. And you can hear the other dogs in the background. So I know. And I, and I'm, I don't know. I don't know. Why. That's I mean, all right. I mean, they, that's but they right. instantaneously understand when I'm on a podcast, they start barking. Of so course, anyway, but you know, so the reason I don't show empathy towards that is because I assume that you shouldn't do that or you should do that or, you know, whatever. 
so when you get when you start putting your own emotions into empathy, it's really hard to show empathy. And I always say this about leadership, and this is one of the things that I do teach in classes is you have to have an outward mindset towards people, meaning that you have to practice leadership skill sets outwardly instead of focusing them inwardly towards you. And that kind of yes, stuff. that's a great so, thing. Let's take a short break from the show and we'll be right back. Hey guys and gals, I just wanted to take a quick minute to thank all of you for listening to the podcast and buying Dean's new book, Essential Leadership Lessons from the Thin Blue Line. Dean became and still is Amazon's bestseller in management sciences. We are so thankful for your support and will continue to strive to make lives better. If you haven't purchased Dean's book, you can go to our website and find the link on our homepage, www.lhln.org, or search it on your favorite retail provider. We could not do this without you. Now, back to the episode. Well, let's yeah, move so, on to the last section here real quick, which is the um, leading organizations. And that kind of gets more into the, what you talked about earlier on was the politics of being in a leadership position and, you know, some of the other things. And that's also where we, we reintroduce under a new name, um, the diamond leadership model. Yeah, that's that uh, leadership model where it says leadership, partnership, relationship, synergy. And what that really means in leading your organization is, is you have to develop relationships with your people and you have to develop. And the one thing that a lot of people don't understand about leadership is, is that they never really understand that people who work for you or who work around you, they want a true partnership with you. Okay. Now here's something you got to understand. They either want a relationship partnership where that you are tied together with them to where they feel comfortable and they feel protected by you as a leader, mm -hmm. or they want an organizational partnership where they have the wherewithal to include themselves in projects and things that are going on and knowing what's going on in your organization or contributing to it. Most people, when you talk about change, one of the biggest problem with change is, is the how leaders handle change. And it's not the fact that change kills people, it's how they enforce change. So what you have a tendency to do with leaders, it, with people, is you have a tendency to force change on them, which takes control away from them, which kills the partnership. Mm -hmm. Because they think, well, I didn't know anything about that. I didn't have any idea that was going on. Nobody told me, which does what? Creates a diminished self-view of their self. When a person have a, has a diminished self-view of themselves, then they're not that good as a, an employee, right? Because they've got to get that back in balance before they ever do anything. Right. So once a person gets out of balance on their self-view, they really have to bring that back to center before they're ever worth a damn. If you don't think that's true, I guarantee you this. You don't think that's true. Let, let me let me just give you a something. Don't don't try this and say I told you to do it. But this is an example of what can happen. Tomorrow morning, walk into your office and do something that pisses off the people in the office. I guarantee you, early in the morning when you piss people off, it takes them almost three quarters of the day to get over it, or they don't really ever get over it till they turn the corner and then go home, and then they come back 
and then their minds reset because they yeah. they kind of don't have the same lingering effect. They might have a little bit of a hangover, but when you piss somebody off, it takes them almost a whole day to get over it. I promise you that happens. And so when people have a, a when you don't really enforce the partnership part, it really does hurt people. So what I'm saying with that is, is we write, I write about that in this book and talk about the create the partnership. Yeah. And I think, um, there's a lot of stuff in there. There is a lot of stuff. And, you know, we've been in a very, um, hyper political situation, especially in law enforcement for almost a year now, um, ever since about the end of May last year. And I know that has weighed heavily on many of the leaders around the country. You've seen a lot of transitions and such. And I think that some of the things that you mentioned in here can help them put that back into perspective, you know, just in terms of how to keep things simple and embracing diversity. In fact, I love your take on that. um, Just embracing diversity. That is a very much different take, I guess, if I would say in terms of embracing diversity. Um, Well, a lot of people think diversity is the, you know, the rainbow coalition of people sitting around the table with different genders and different colors and different, you know, people. Mm-hmm. That's not diversity. What diversity truly is, is your ability to have everyone have an equal voice. And so when everyone has an equal voice and access to the same opportunities, that's true. That's true diversity. And it's really hard to do that sometimes because people, have a tendency to bring their own biases, their own implicit or explicit biases to the table. They have, you know, it's kind of like. Well, you gave a great example of how you use that when in your last chief's position, where you were putting together kind of a a group of people to research some different changes you were looking at organizationally, and you actually insisted on that type of diversity to make sure that everyone had buy-in to the outcome. Well, yeah. And, and remember, diversity can be um, what, one of the things, too, that a lot of bosses will do is they will listen to the voices of the top. Now, what I mean by that is, OK, let's say that I've got a that I'm a chief or I'm a member of the command uh, group, you know, or the command staff. You have a tendency to listen to those voices more than you do the others, which really doesn't give you a diverse viewpoint. Uh, everybody who hears from everybody puts a weight to their opinion. Okay. So definitely. It, yeah. And, and so one of the things you can do, or one thing that happens to you to lose diversity is you begin to not see other people's view that are lower levels or a different color or whatever they are. Uh, you know, you don't see their views as being equal or as important. And that way the weighted scale always goes in the favor. You know, when you see that, like, um, there's a big debate right now going on in the NFL because this guy named the enemy or something like that is a, like the offensive coordinator for Kansas city. And he's like supposedly one of the ones that masterminds Patrick Mahomes, who, if you watch pro football, this is the guy that's the best player in the league. And right. Kansas city chiefs have Andy Reid, who thinks he was one of the best coaches Yes, and Andy Reid, but this the enemy guy is a, is an African-American. And he's interviewed for like seven head coaching jobs. And there's seven head coaching jobs right now in the NFL, but he's been interviewing for years, like three last three years, he's been up for several jobs, but he can't get it. And, and the owners always say, well, he didn't 
interview good. He didn't interview well. And so my question would be, and I, and I, listen, I'm not one of these snowflakes who think that, you know, you got to do things by color. You got to do things by just because of this, because that, I mean, I really believe the best person ought to get the job. And when you've got a billion dollar business, you're handing over a lot of the things to whoever you're going to get that leadership from. But I, but I do think that those owners listen to, a, they have a different view of diversity when it comes to what they're trying to accomplish, you know? And, and I think one of the things we do with diversity is we set different standards for people, you know, in terms of diversity. So that's a big one. I think we ought to pay a lot of attention to that thing. And, and, and like I said, does he not interview well, or is it because you're not looking at from really what your team might need versus on what your idea of us, your ideal candidate, right. You know, for, for being chief and, or to be the, the, the coach or whatever that is. And so diversity is a tough subject. It's not easy, uh, but we don't shy away from tough. Well, and then the last thing in that section that I think is a really important component. And, and I've heard of stories that have happened throughout this tumultuous past year. And that's just doing it, you know, the just do it model. Um, That's old Nike slogan, still love it. I'll say that a lot of times, just do it. Um, but I think it's really prescient in this day and age. Um, we have a colleague that I'll that will remain nameless that heads up emergency operations and tells the story of a fateful day in late May last year where he's standing there with the political leader of the city, the mayor, and they were deciding how they were going to handle a very volatile situation. And he finally said, you're just going to have to do it. And that's what happened. And it, it was successful. It prevented a great deal of pandemonium, if you will. Well, and, you know, t- today's world with so many people who have so many better ideas than you do. And the Internet is full of armchair quarterbacks. And so sometimes that prevents us from just doing it. Um, I'm an advocate of having the best information the best circumstances and all the time you can have to make a decision because sometimes that's the best, right. but sometimes you ain't going to have all three of them. So you're just going to have to do it and trust your instincts of where you're trying to go. You know, great advice. I mean, those are just really good tips. I think that that's what I love so much about how this book comes together is it almost is a reference manual. If you are struggling with any of these three areas, which are kind of the three components of leadership, as we talked about, it's, it's there. I mean, you can go back and read your stories. Part of it's autobiographical. Some of it is just great storytelling. So I think it's really awesome. And it ends, um, I'll just be a spoiler. We actually have an interview with Dean at the end of the book that's written where he talks about different lessons he's learned since he wrote the first book. Yeah, well, that book, you know, we, we do talk about some of the changes and stuff like that. It's kind mm-hmm. of a, just a off, uh, it's a, off informal cuff, interview yeah, yeah mm-hmm. off the cuff kind of thing to answer that and that's included in this book is a an extensive interview with me about what some of the things I've learned and wrote about the other thing too we've added all tips all sections in this book have yeah. tips on how do you execute them and how you do them so I hope all the people out there will get the book uh, it's called essential leadership or essential lessons from the thin blue line uh, it's going to be out January 26th it's on Amazon now for pre-order it's on Barnes and Noble and all those things 
If you do want to bulk order the book and have 10 or more copies, please, please contact Kelly at LHLN. They can go to our website. There's a go to our website. Right on the front page and they can fill out a form and I will make sure then and get them invoiced with shipping. Um, and we also, I will add, um, by the time the book comes out, we will have some different resources available that are companions to this book that will help you as well in terms of our, the diamond leadership model assessment and some values exercises and things of that nature that will help those leaders lead themselves a little bit better. Okay, folks. So we really appreciate you listening to our podcast here. We hope you to see you in a classroom soon. One of the things that we, one of the things that we are all about in the classroom is that, that is changing your life for the better. We don't really care uh, about, uh, you know, just coming to class to come to class. When you come to our classes, man, we expect you to be different when you walk out the door. We really want you to be the best version of yourself. We give 100%. As a matter of fact, we have a money-back guarantee. If you don't really change your life in our classes, you don't have to pay. So that's pretty much where we're at with that. So, folks, I want to thank you for joining us on this week's podcast. I really hope you get the book. And as we said before, if you want bulk orders, some people have already, uh, organizations have contacted us in bulk order. If you want to do that, contact Kelly and she'll get you up and also a little bit of a discounted price yes, for the bulk orders. Mm -hmm. And uh, so hope to see you at a training site soon. Look at our schedule and it'll be up on LHLN.org. Hope to see you folks. Until next time, hope you read the book. And as we always say, keep sharing the growth. That's the only way that we're going to help leaders help others grow and help ourselves and help me become the best leader that we can be. Folks, share the growth. And until next time, I'm Dean Chris. Thank you for listening to Straight Talk on Leadership with Dean Crisp. We hope you have enjoyed this episode. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others. If you haven't done so, please take a moment to sign up for weekly notifications of new episodes at our website, www.lhln.org. There you can also look up our upcoming live class schedule, check out our e-courses, buy Dean's book, and request to become a member of LHLN, our online community of professionals dedicated to helping you put your leadership into action every day. Until the next episode, keep the growth going and remember to always strive to have a plus one day.